It's Monday, 27th of October 2014. This is HPR episode 1626 entitled OpenSource.com, recalling Oscan 2014, and is part of the series Newscast. It is hosted by Semiotic Robotic and is about 22 minutes long. Feedback can be sent to Brian at semioticrobotic.net or by leaving a comment on this episode. The summary is OpenSource.com hold a roundtable discussion about their experiences at Oscan 2014. This episode of HBR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HBR15. That's HBR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello, Hacker Public Radio. This is Semiotic Robotic with an open source news break from opensource.com. Today's episode is a roundtable discussion, so joining me are opensource.com community manager Jason Hibbets. Hello, HPR. Opensource.com social media strategist Michael Harrison. Hi, everyone. And back once again is opensource.com content manager Jen Wyke. Hey, hey. In July, Jason and Jen attended OzCon, O'Reilly's world-renowned open-source conference in Portland, Oregon, here in the U.S., so I thought we'd uh, we'd take a moment to sit down and chat with them about their experiences, so those of us who couldn't attend might get some sense of what that conference is like. So Jason, Jen, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. Excited. So why don't we talk a little bit about... um, the tone of the conferences here, what you thought was um, the overall theme or how it felt to be at OzCon. Leslie Hawthorne gave a keynote um, on, I think, the second day of OzCon, and it was about checking your privilege, how to do hard things. Um, and the hard thing is allowing other people to be part of open source. And um, so this is usually uh, women, minorities, people who aren't technically coders or programmers and maybe have some other skills in design or writing um, and just allowing them to be part of the process. And so I felt like that that was sort of a big theme at OzCon this year. Um, it was a great keynote and um, it was it was great to hear. Yeah, I think the one part I liked about Leslie's keynote was that she basically kind of, uh, she talked a lot about defaults, right? And so when you think about programming or other things that you do in normal life, when, when the defaults are set for you, it's really simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when the defaults are, aren't set for you, um, then it makes really things a lot difficult, right? You can imagine just filling out an average web form on, you know, on the internet and the default language is set to English. Yeah. Well, it's great if you speak English, but what if you don't speak English, right? Then you've got to search the form and, um, and look for your language. So just little things like that that we could kind of, that could kind of trigger, um, how we can how we can process those type of things. Yeah, she started out the talk with greetings humans or yes. hello humans. Hello humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that it encompassed everyone right. and everything. And right. that was intentional, right? Yep. Yep. Sure. Um I would say like so last year was my first year at OzCon. Okay. Um so comparing it year over year I thought, at least from an open source.com perspective, mm-hmm. that last year I was telling a lot of people about 
the project and what we do in the publication and the mm-hmm. community. And this year, as I approached people and, and introduced myself, uh, the tone was much different. It was like, oh, hey, we read that all the time, or I love the article that you published about this. Um, so that was a really kind of energizing piece for me. Just, just to know, last year I was spending a lot of my time just explaining what the site was and what right. we do and what our purpose is. And this year was more like getting high fives, being like, we love what you do, I want to contribute. So <laughs> yeah. and that's that was a testament, I think, to, to attending last year and, and just a lot of the work that we've done over the last year in general. We've arrived, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 very cool. Yeah, it was great to meet a lot of the people that I email with and um, we've worked on content with So, and, and meet some new people. Yeah. So... Jason, you just mentioned that this is your second year. Jen, this was your first? First year, yes. So what brings you, what motivates you to go to OzCon? What takes the team there? Last year, we we were a media sponsor. Uh-huh. That really kind of got things going for us as far as uh, covering uh, the conference. Uh, again, this year, we were also a media sponsor, and we did, I think, a much more intensive uh, much more intensive coverage of OzCon. Uh, in advance of that, the team worked on almost 20 interviews with speakers right. at the conference, and we were doing live blogging uh, there as well. We did that last year. Uh, I was there solo, so it was a little bit more difficult. Um, but Jen and I were able to work together and, and really summarize the keynotes in a really quick um, yeah. quick fashion. And then for me personally, like I was going to meet a lot of the speakers that we did interviews with and, and to rehash old contacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was there to you know meet these interviewers um, or interviewees as well and um, also make some new contacts um, put some faces with some names, um, and I gave out my card to quite a few people. So hopefully we'll be hearing from some people about their stories in open source. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do remember uh, one of the first days during the conference, um, Jen and I were just kind of walking around, and because I, I go to a lot of open source conferences, I, I tend to know a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, it was really just great for me to go up and say, hey, I want to introduce you to Jen. Um, you have folks yeah. like Simon Phipps from the OSI. Um, you knew folks that were just meeting, but uh, Deb Bryant, uh, she, she lives in Portland anyway, so that's kind mm-hmm. of a, in her backyard. But um, just some you know folks that that are always at you know attending a lot of open source conferences and being able to um, you know make that connection with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said you've been to a lot of open source conferences. What is the value of going to a conference? Not just OzCon in general, but you know there's a lot of push for more remote work anymore for people meeting remotely, um, some high-profile events, Ubuntu's UDS, for example, just turned into an all-remote um, work week for folks. What's the value of something that brings everybody together in a shared space like this? Uh, well, Jason just wrote an article about this that you'll see on opensource.com. Um, oh, okay. And um, it's around community um, engagement and managing a community, and um, face-to-face has a lot to do with um engaging in and nurturing that community. Yeah, and, and really, so before OSCON, I attended the Community Leadership Summit, and as kind of Jen just mentioned, the value is to actually meet people, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. In particular, if you just look at an a, uh, open source community in general, um, not everyone is typically in the same place. So having them, having a mechanism for them to come together, whether it's a user conference, a meetup, or some type of in-person event, provides a lot of value, right? Because when you're on, when you're working over email or over IRC, you can't see the facial expressions or the emotion. And so um, understanding maybe just someone's work habits or like how, just understanding how they view life in general can add a lot of value um, to the relationship, right? And and I would say it, it you know, it helps build friendships and relationships both professionally and personally. And so, you know, as, as going to, you know, other open source conferences like um, Scale 12X, which is in Los Angeles, 
Uh, we've got all things open here in Raleigh. Like having the open source community come together uh, in one place is, is really valuable, right? So not only is it from an organizational perspective, so obviously the conferences wouldn't happen without sponsorships, which is um, you know always. Uh, it just takes money to put some of these trade shows on. Yeah. Uh, but having the community members and having you know folks from Python and PHP and all these kind of core components around open source uh, come together is just great. And, and the other big value is you get to see the latest trends, right? So you, you've got the different sessions. You're seeing, hey, what is Facebook doing with open source? What is Net- right. what is Netflix doing with open source? And really kind of it's that shared knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So this is just a, another aspect of shared knowledge mm-hmm. where uh, it's not just reading a blog or watching a video. It's actually going to a, a talk and actually being able to talk to someone who might do development uh, mm-hmm. for a project or that might do community leadership for a project. Right. So right. it's really that in-person piece of it. Right. On that note, you know, you get to see which sessions get the most foot traffic. What are people the most interested in right now? Um, it's like web analytics, but it is human beings. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and also too, I think. Um, you know, the, the keynotes too, the, during the keynotes, it's always interesting to watch, uh, the Twitter traffic. Yeah. Uh, and so there's always, what I've noticed over the last few years that, is that with Twitter and more people using Twitter, that it's, there's a whole conversation happening about the conference while it's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, it's valuable for people to connect or people just to be like, Hey, maybe I should be in this session because everyone's talking about, you know, session right. XYZ and, and, you know, if you practice the law of two feet, then you quietly remove yourself yeah. from the session you're in and you go to the one that's popular. Right, right. Very common in unconferences, by the way. Yeah. So. Yeah. so speaking of those those different events and those keynotes, what were the most interesting talks, encounters, meals that you had? <laughs> yeah. Parties. The food was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would say... For me, my probably the 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 session that I went to that's probably uh, was most interesting to me personally was a session about data.gov. So uh, Jean Holm uh, had actually just flew in from vacation. She went to Alaska on vacation, and she was kind of fresh off the plane. Wow! And she had this. She had her presentation very prepared. And and for me, I'm just very interested in the open government and open data movement in general. Um, but I actually learned a lot of stuff about data.gov that I didn't know. Um, so she shared a couple things that. Um, and I don't know how I missed the news, but they actually open sourced the entire data go- data.gov platform. Um, so I was just like, wow, it's, you know, I knew they did that for uh, We the People, which is the White House petition platform, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that data.gov was, uh, the whole platform was open source. And just her sharing kind of some insights as to when they were actually doing the redesign for data.gov, how they engaged their community and proposed different different web designs for the platform and how they got to where they are today, right? They, they started off with this kind of very illustrative and um, graphical and, and kind of more image-heavy website, and they ended up with something that was more functional for their users, which I think at the in the end is what they really wanted. Jen, what was your favorite session? Um, my favorite session was with Girl Develop It. Um, Catherine Farman and Corrine Warnteis gave a talk about um, this program that has been um, – Started started out in Philly, and they're pushing it um, out in um, countries or cities across the country. So a little bit about Girl Develop It. Um, they're an organization that teaches adult women to code. So Girl Develop It, you might think it would be younger women, but it's actually adult women. Um, and it's affordable and accessible programming in person. Um, and their slogan is, don't be shy, develop it. So it's all about judgment-free um, learning, programming, HTML, CSS, um, lots of 
different classes like that. Um, they also threw out a stat, 11% of contributors um, to free and open source software are women, and this is up from, I think, 2% over the past um in the past few years, wow. um, so I think things they they generally their their talk was about how things are going in the right direction, um, and there's a lot of great women out there putting on programs for other women. One of the um, most interesting sessions that I went to was with Justin Miller from Mapbox. Not only did I get uh, so first of all we did do an interview with him. So one of my purposes was going was to introduce myself to him and, and meet him in person. Um, but beyond that, I was just kind of interested in what Mapbox is doing. But what I found most intriguing is. He spent a lot of his talk, uh, time during his talk, talk um, explaining how they use GitHub. Mm -hmm. And they use GitHub for literally everything. Like, pretty much, they use GitHub, a private GitHub repository for their intranet. And so they wow. do everything that they draft, any sort of um, internal blog post or external blog post is all drafted in GitHub. And so I was taking copious notes on on that because this team has been very, the OpenSource.com team is really interested in how we can use GitHub more. And I just thought that was a, a really neat thing for him to share and, and really just to see how they're using GitHub as a platform to kind of basically work as a company. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to a, a kind of fun session um, called Writing English <laughs> with Kristen <laughs> Deju. Um, she was giving programmers grammar and spelling lessons, which I just couldn't help myself but go to and just drop in and see how see how that was Wait, going. How well attended was that session, by it, the way? It wasn't very well attended, although it seemed like it should have been because there were some questions in the audience that were really surprising, um, <laughs> but that's okay. Not everybody is a writer. Well, Lots that's people. They recorded so. too, so hopefully uh, we'll we can get that out to them later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a fun one. Um, I, I don't go to too many technical talks now, just um, because I'm a little bit removed from coding side. But uh, I did go to the Netflix API session with Daniel Jacobson, and uh, it, the room was packed. Uh, basically, the the title was uh, kind of around the top ten lessons learned from creating APIs, okay. and it was just really interesting to see how Netflix is using that and sharing their lessons back. So mm -hmm. it was it was just kind of you know the questions in the room were really technical, and uh, but it was fascinating just to kind of under to learn more about the, some of their strategy and, and how they're deploying their APIs. That's interesting. How, how is uh, what sort of like open source tools is Netflix using that they? Yeah, they, they, um, they, I don't want to say they glazed over them, but towards the end of the session, they did put up a slide and it went by really quick, so I didn't yeah. quite capture all of that. And I've been to a few Netflix sessions uh, at previous conferences, so they definitely are using open source tools. I, I, I can't think of anything specific at the moment, but one of my favorite things that they mentioned is Chaos Monkey. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's basically the, they intentionally bring down their network, um, on Amazon to, code for redundancy, basically. So uh, Chaos Monkey is a random tool that goes out and kills a network node or drops a database, and uh, and they build for re resiliency. And that's uh, and they know that if someone's trying to watch a movie and it doesn't work, that it's not a good experience. Right. Um, so Chaos Monkey is really fascinating. Yeah. I wrote an article for opensource.com on Chaos Monkey two years ago, I, yeah. I think it is by this point, but when they open sourced the code for it, and I, it was a weird article to write because I was like, hey, great news, everyone. We've now got an open source tool that will deliberately wreck your infrastructure. Please download this <laughs> yeah. now. And, you know, and it's super popular. It's, it's really great. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. They open source this code for this program. And I just picture like the monkey from Family Guy or something like that, like with a wrench, like going through a database center or you know something like that, just deliberately bringing down critical resources because they want their, uh, their IT 
teams to be able to attack those problems and constantly be on guard against uh, any real life chaos monkeys that might be out there taking yeah, down let's, the industry. Let's keep that away from the open source.com site. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as far away yeah, as possible. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we should also mention Jason's talk with Gail Roper about how the city of Raleigh uses open source, and Raleigh is where we're recording from today. It's also where our team works from. Um, the opensource.com team. So, Jason, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I uh, co-presented with Gail Roper. We actually did a talk at Code for America conference last year. And, you know, Gail went through and explained uh, one of the hardest things I think she could, a job in the CI role was to change the culture within uh, the Raleigh IT organization and talking about the specific actions of getting an open government res- resolution passed, having a roadmap in place to help actually take that beyond the paperwork and just say, hey, this is how we're actually going to uh, stand up an open data portal. Uh, and then really she did, like as I mentioned, focus on changing the culture, hiring people that are pro uh, open source and that, and that, you know, mentioning things like they look at GitHub uh, accounts as people's resumes. Um, so things like that that were just were kind of inside the inside the mind of a CIO and particularly more of a public sector CIO, which, you know, a lot of them uh, don't get a chance to go in the speaking circuit too much. Uh, and then I followed up with Gail's portion on what we're doing in the community. So things like uh, our Code for Raleigh, um, Code for America Brigade, and some of the kind of volunteer civic hacking efforts that we've done. Uh, we have an event called City Camp uh, North Carolina that we've been running for the last four years uh, here in the uh, Triangle area. And, and just kind of complementing with the work that Gail's team is doing with IT and having kind of this kind of group of volunteers on, on the side that's really willing to test things out and try things and, and be that a little bit of that safety net and, and really just kind of look for new technology too. I, I talk a lot about the rise of the citizen CIO and how, how every citizen has an opportunity to explore technology and suggest technology to their government, uh, but having knowing the right channels and actually being able to implement that are two different things. So uh, we have got we've all, we all use technology and love it most of the time, uh, but you know getting that to getting your government to use it is, is a different story. So I went to your talk and it was um, well attended by Raleigh and other North Carolina folks. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty we sure. Yeah. <laughs> nice. um, but there was a lot of interest afterwards. A lot of guys came up to you to um, chat about how things were going. What were they asking you? Yeah, so there was a lot of folks actually from this area that were at OzCon <laughs> that attended the talk, and uh, they were just like, how do we get involved? Where do we start? And so uh, we do have a, a meetup page, uh, Triangle Code for America, and I uh, pointed, pointed them to that. And, and actually, Gail had a couple folks come up and talk to her yeah. as well. I think yeah. they, they were just really... Uh, I don't know exactly what they were saying, but uh, in speaking with Gail afterwards, they just kind of wanted some more insights as to you know how she changed the culture and yeah. and some of those kind of uh, tactical things. Yeah, yeah. Conferences like OzCon, like uh, this is probably a bad metaphor for a non-baseball fans and b folks that are listening to the podcast outside the United States. Uh, but it kind of reminds me of like the Major League Baseball All Star Game. You get people who come from all different teams, all different organizations. They all come for this conference, and, uh, and some of them don't interact very much. Some of them are direct competitors, but they all come together because they love the game and they play one for the fans, you know. And this like conferences like OzCon sort of remind me that, and they all come to celebrate like the shared love of the thing that they do, right? Yeah. And that is yeah. that is open source. They come to celebrate the open source way and, and, and they come to celebrate an open source uh, mentality, right? So um, that's what I think is so interesting about about these conferences. And someday, I hope to go there. Yeah, yeah for, 
like the all-star game uh, metaphor, some of us have to sit behind and That's wait our- for us to get called. <laughs> <laughs> some, yeah, some of us have to get more votes before we can make it to OzCon. <laughs> well, uh... Folks, that's all for this open source news break from opensource.com. My gratuitous thanks to Jason Hibbets, Michael Harrison, and Jen White for chatting with me today. And don't forget, dear listeners, that you can always find more open source, doc, uh, open source news on opensource.com. And you, too, can submit your open source story to the website. Just visit opensource.com slash participate. Uh, that's all for this episode. And until next time, this is Semiotic Robotic wishing you peace love, and open source. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.